The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Don Rose joining us from U.S. Commodities as we look over. I wanted to ask you this before we even dive into what the numbers have done. Iowa has been hit with more rain in the last, you know, week, week and a half. What's the mentality? What are you guys seeing as you get a chance to talk to producers? Well, I think when you look at it uh, from an Iowa perspective is, you know, it's been uh, a tale of two two uh, situations. One, southwest Iowa has been too dry. We've had the uh, uh, northern part of Iowa off and on has been too wet. And that's been caused some real issues uh, throughout the year. Uh, starting with planting, and then you've got, uh, you know, eastern Iowa, central eastern Iowa is just near ideal. So we kind of have a little bit of everything. But short term, I think what's happened is the the yields have turned very much variable. Uh, Soybeans, particularly in these wet areas, uh, you know, just struggling. As we always say, soybeans don't like wet feet. And the same thing with the corn. The uh, early yields, rather than these big monster yields, are more variable. Now, we're going to run into areas that have, uh, you know, exceptional yields, record yields, of course. But uh, I think it's where we're going to have to hustle to uh, meet the government expectations. Looking now at the prices, higher corn and beans. We saw some lower wheat today. What are the yields that you're hearing as you look beyond Iowa and, and have discussions with some of your clients? Well, you know, again, I think what we're running into, you know, Iowa more variable, but I think as a nation more variable, um, you know, talk to and work with a lot of people uh, across the Corn Belt. But Illinois, of course, as you get close to the Mississippi and, uh, you know, very good yields, you know, record types of yield. But you get into central Illinois, very much variable uh, under a year ago by a lick. So uh, same thing. I think Illinois is really going to have to hustle to hit that record yield of 214 Soybean uh, yields uh, seem pretty lofty and, and uh, they may not be uh, that far off the base in some of these big areas. So it looks like soybeans have a better chance of tagging the uh, yield that the government says and the corn probably is has is going to have a harder time in our estimation hitting the uh, 180 uh, yield. You know, it may be in the end, Susan, it may be more like a big yield, 178, but more like 178 to 179 and a half. Well, that kind of brings up then the concern. You talk about some of these numbers come in, what they're going to see. Then it comes to storage issues. Is it on the farm, off the farm, selling off the combine? So many factors this year that they're having to look at. Yeah, and I think when you look at it from the opportunity for the producer standpoint, what is the opportunity? And I think, one, the basis level is just too wide for the producer really to, uh, to sell cash grain. Um, if you can, and even if you have to store at the commercial at the elevator, uh, you can still protect your price uh, with with doing some hedge to arrives and then buying some upside insurance with some calls. You can do that. Or you can just uh, go out and buy some put options, Susan, where you can buy like a 390 put to 350. That's probably low enough. You know, it gives you a window of 40 cents to the downside, gives you all the upside. Uh, same thing on soybeans. You've got uh, 50 cent carry in soybeans from November to Ju- uh, July. And remember, soybeans are notorious for bottoming that first week of October. So you can go out uh, into that area. We did a bunch of that today where you can have a window of opportunity buying uh, 9 or 920 July puts 
We're just under nine on July, uh, down to eight twenty, and then uh, ten twenty on the upside. So a big uh, collar, or you can do a hedge to arrive, capture the carry, and buy some uh, call options as an insurance policy to the upside. But it feels like you should try and do something to take advantage of the carry and uh, the flat price that you have right now. And I'm sure looming in the background in the minds of these guys and gals is what is going on with China? How is this tariff discussion going to have an effect on what my final profits are going to be? Yeah, you know, I think the real question, Mark, is uh, in the end, are we going to see a real loss in world trade, world demand, or is it just going to be shifted around? And I tell you, so far what we've seen is China's demand has not slowed down in the world, but it's been shifted around. For example, Argentina's buying beans from the U.S., shipping them to uh, China. In the month of uh, of September, it looks like the Chinese, who's coming to a close, are going to buy about 247 million uh, bushels of soybeans, and a year ago it was 232 million. So it's actually they're stepping up the pace. Uh, rather than going the other way as these tariffs are in place. You know, and a lot of folks were, were talking about that, uh, wondering when China would be buying beans from the U.S. through a roundabout way, and going through South America is one strong option for them. Well, and that's what they are, because if you look at it, the Chinese typically uh, try to take advantage of the, the harvest prices, and we're right now at harvest, so you know they want to try and they know that this is the time to secure soybeans from the the lowest price at the widest basis. So how do they do it? Well, even with the tariff today, uh, the U.S. is uh, versus Argentina, for example, we're 25 cents a bushel uh, more competitive, uh, cheaper, if you will, than China. Even considering the 25 percent uh, or Argentina, even considering the 25 percent uh, tariff. So. The bottom line is, Susan, we're at value with the soybeans, and that's why soybeans kind of held together. And then Argentina is not necessarily always a reliable supplier. Um, they have a countrywide strike for 72 hours in Argentina, so that really puts a grip on the overall uh, supply-demand relationship, the shipping abilities that Argentina has. And the farmers there are holding on to soybeans because they're using that as a currency as their inflation rate is out of control and their uh, currency, for example, today was down 3%. I mean, that's a lot. I was going to ask you about that, how that cheap currency is all playing in. Yeah, and that's really what it is, is uh, when you look at it, if if you sell your soybeans and turn them into uh, a currency, a peso there, dollars in the U.S., of course, and your, your value is going to go down 3% in one day, if your value is going to be less every day, where well, your soybeans are going to hold value or go up because you can sell those in the world market. Well, stick around, folks. We do have more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up in just a moment. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As Don Rose joins us with U.S. Commodities, I was curious, and we ran out of time during segment one. You have got a lot of contacts in South America. Actually, you spend the the colder days here down south. Is it as dry in some areas in these early plantings for South America as we're seeing reports about? Yeah, you know, you're exactly right, uh, Susan. I do spend time down in the the South uh, Central America area, but, you know, it is such a long uh, area of uh, planting windows. It's almost, uh, put it in perspective, in Brazil, from uh, Mato Grosso in the north all the way down to the south. It's uh, about from uh, northern Minnesota all the way to Texas, so it's a big area. But where we're at right now, 
their corn uh, when they're when we're harvesting their planting you know just keep that in mind mm-hmm. so right now on their first crop which is about half of their crop of corn they're about uh, 30 35 percent planted just getting uh going pretty strong in in the north on planting soybeans but we've got uh, areas of the wheat area that is dry but we've actually got some of the area other areas in soybeans that are a little bit too wet so um, i would say overall we haven't got any big issues yet but uh, remember, it's an El Nino year, so that is one that characteristically can cause uh, southern Brazil, Argentina to go dry. So that's what we're going to watch. And I think uh, you're right to focus on that because I think as we're winding down on our crop here, as far as the cycle, we're just starting there. And we'll add risk premium for nervousness with weather, of course, you know, particularly with all of the trade disputes that we have going on. Jump over to the livestock side. We had last week Catalan feed report, a cold storage report, both of them negative to the trade. As we wrapped up a Tuesday, markets still looking back on those reports with some ill feelings? Yeah, you know, I think that is it. You know, the big surprise on all these markets from a meat standpoint is, of course, I think it goes back to the economy, but the domestic demand on all meats is just really terrifically strong right now. Uh, beef led the way. It's been strong all summer. Packer margins, as you know, have been uh, very strong, $200, $250 ahead through most of the summer. But um, then then about a month ago, the pork demand also kicked in uh, very strong, uh, some of it due to the African swine fever concerns in China than in Europe, some of it due to uh, Hurricane Florence, which really disrupted the uh, packer, a couple packers in North Carolina. So... But the, the, in the end, what we're doing is we're literally eating through, chewing through uh, the meat. But we do have a, a lot of pork and a lot of beef uh, coming at us. For example, in the fourth quarter on uh, uh, on cattle, we're going to be our supplies are going to be up five point seven percent over a year ago. Now that's a lot, that's a lick to the upside. And on our uh, hogs, we're going to be up uh, 6.3% percent versus a year ago. So no shortage of meat. There's no doubt about that. And the same thing with uh, pork and beef in cold storage, uh, you know, are up over a year ago. So I think the challenge of this market is, uh, you know, we can't stumble or, you know, the market will come under pressure. And it certainly feels like we're at some risk management territory on hogs here uh, as we're moving forward. Well, speaking of hogs, some good news out there for these pork producers and some of the latest prices. Yeah, you know, really, that is exactly right. Of course, you know, just very much like last year in 2016, we just uh, dial in a negative, a big supply is coming at us. Then all of a sudden, we overdo it to the downside, uh, and then uh, the demand uh, stays steady or improves. People taking advantage of those lower prices, and the uh, cutout and the cash uh, start to rally back. And that's exactly what's happened again this year as it has the last two years we're trading about uh, off the low. We're trading about uh, fourteen dollars a hundredweight off the low, Susan, and that's that's good for the producers. Uh, and you know, look at the summer months. We're getting up around eighty-one in June and July, and uh, eighty on August hogs. So, you know, you're back in profitability. If there's a downside, it's that we were starting a liquidation cycle. Probably now that whole thing has come to a halt. But we got the uh, big quarterly hog and pig report coming out on thursday you know it looks like the uh, all hogs are going to be up somewhere three and a half percent over a year ago and the breeding up three percent over a year ago so uh, those numbers are going to expand and those usually are market moving uh, reports and the african swine fever just seems to be china keeps finding more and more cases 
Yeah, you know, and that's the real issue. Like we say, Susan, a, a bull needs to be fed every day. And just uh, the luck of the draw, that's exactly what's happening with the spread of the disease, uh, not only uh, in uh, in China, but now it's moved over into Belgium where they have uh, wild boars that have uh, been detected and died from uh, African swine fever. So who knows where that is spread uh, from that standpoint. So the bottom line is really adding a lot of risk premium to the market for situations that can get worse with the disease and you know that we have to remember disease is a great equalizer uh it was the ped virus in the u.s that pushed us up to 133 dollars a hundred weight ultimately found out that our losses were not nearly as big as the trade dialed in and we went lower so i think the trade is being a little more measured with the african swine fever don what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you to talk some markets yeah, you bet. Can reach us at uh, 1-800-247-4071. Thanks so much, Don Rose, joining us at U.S. Commodities. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle and all the Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.